0: This is Life Transformation Radio. Prepare to engage. Seatbelt activated. 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 Download initiated. Initiation. Your quantum journey of transformation begins in three, two, two,
1: two, 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 two one. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Life Transformation Radio. I'm Rob Actus, best selling author of The Law of Action, voice actor, business mindset coach, the podcast whisperer, and Mr. Action himself. Life Transformation Radio is heard in over 90 countries. Thank you for joining us from all around the world. Whether it's your first time joining us or you've been listening to Life Transformation Radio for some time, I want to personally thank you. Here at Life Transformation Radio, we are committed to share more about real life, love, the power of positivity, romance, and of course, laughter. We care about helping others find their internal drive and purpose. We celebrate life's challenges and overcoming that. On the show, my guests are amazing people who are forces for good in the world around them and live a life of transformation. My guest today, she does just that. Today, Christine Carlson and I discuss how to reveal the authentic you. If you want to understand how your circumstances don't make or break you, they reveal you and learn how to choose to be better over bitter when changes happen so that you can go through change with grace, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is the show for you. Christine Carlson is co-author with her late husband, Dr. Richard Carlson of the New York Times best-selling Don't Sweat the Small Stuff books. She is featured this fall as the subject of a biopic Lifetime movie based on her book, Heart Broken Open, a true story of coming alive again after profound loss. I am so thrilled to say, Christine, welcome to Life Transformation Radio.
0: Well, hey there, Rob. Thank you so much for having me on.
1: Absolutely. Glad to have you here. Um, You know, it's interesting. We were talking before we started recording, and I'm like, okay, I don't want to talk about this, and I don't want to talk about this. (laughs) it's like you know and it's so funny how the universe is because here you know you talk about loss and grief and stuff like that and and i just got off the phone or facetime with my father who's 90 years old and is in hospice and is just refusing to die he just will not he just wants to live and there's not a logical explanation of why he's alive and so it makes for an interesting time because you want to have him pass peacefully and you want him to be alive, but his life is really not a life that I would want for anybody because he just kind of exists.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's really, it's tempting for us. Of course, we don't want our loved ones to suffer and all of that, but it's its also very tempting for us to judge what a person's life is or isn't, you know, and we don't know their karmic journey we don't know the journey of their destination or you know what their destiny is you know we don't know what the purpose of maybe he's got some soul purpose in staying around a little longer maybe it's a conversation he's having or not having or listening to or maybe it's just the burning away of something we don't know so i mean it's but i get like how i wouldn't want to see my father suffer that long you know i would want i would want peace for him and i'm sure that's what you want for your dad too
1: yeah absolutely it's it's interesting because he had a lot of noise in his life and i i think this is a time for him to have peace he's in a private room got him in a private room and he was a swing dancer And he has, I I sent him an Amazon Alexa, so he has swing music on all the time. And it's nice because he smiles. And when I talk to him, he still can smile, barely. But you can see a little bit of a smile. And um, it's, I like what you said there. Because that's that just reinforces what I thought. I'm like, it's just not time for him to go. And what I've done is he's had some vampires in his world, in his life. Um, Ex-wife just dark shadow person. I mean, she's just a a piece of work and she's been continuing to come and um, she is slowly not coming. And I think it's good for him to have pure and clean and bright white light as he transitions. And I think this might be the time that he's internally and spiritually cleansing all of the morass of yuck that he's had in his life so he can go through and transition in a pure way.
0: Yeah. I mean, we don't, again, like we, we can only surmise what the journey is, but I know the Tibetans believe that if you have a suffering death and even the Hindus believe that, that the suffering, um, helps to burn off the karma and purify you for your next round or for your next life, you know, or for eternity. So we don't, we, it's hard for us to know, um, what the plan is, but, um, God bless your father for laying there, and, and hopefully he's got really wonderful caretakers um, that are you know taking really good care of him.
1: He does, and you know what I find fascinating is that he was a very negative man. And it's interesting because I live my life so opposite of him, and he was just really focused on the negative, and i just like, oh, you're never happy, and so I just chose a different path. And what I think is really fascinating is that he looks so old and bad and unhealthy <laughs> before he went into the hospital when he had his injury and he fell he fell down the stairs. And then as he's progressed, um, he, he definitely is doing some spiritual journey work because he's changing. He looks younger and better and more handsome than he did when he was in his morass of negative life. And so I found that really fascinating. I'm like, God, I've showed pictures of him. And they're like, God, he looks like 20 years younger. And I go, I know. <laughs> it's it's you know it's a quite fascinating experience. He's you know he's my only dad, so I've never really experienced anything like this to have a parent pass. I mean, my mom's 93, so it's uh, it's kind of it's kind of interesting. She's still alive and kicking, and she's doing fine. But it's it's quite interesting the whole transition of life.
0: Oh, yeah, and our outer appearance so much is an expression of our inner world. I mean, we all know that because if we look in the mirror when we are sick or something, we just don't look the same. As we look in the mirror, we have a bright, you know, we're feeling really good, we have a good day, we're feeling bright. You know, definitely your exterior appearance will take the shape of your inner world. And so hopefully your dad is already experiencing Maybe the beginning stages of that peace and that bliss of transformation that happens to many people in transition.
1: Yeah, I think he definitely is. Uh, it's he is definitely peaceful, and he's way less agitated. He was in a, a group room and had the news on all the time, and there was a lot of just a lot of weird energy in the room. And so I got him in a private room. And now he just has his swing music on twenty four hours a day, and um, it's—he definitely looks so much more peaceful. He's never peaceful or at peace in in life. You know, I talked to him a lot of times for many years. I mean, I've been involved in spirituality and and meditation and gratefulness for so long, and it's had such a positive impact on my life. I could never get him to just be quiet and be still. And so it's almost like this is his time to be quiet and to be still. And, um, it's, it's quite remarkable how the
0: soul knows, I mean, the soul really knows what we need and the soul is in the body. So the soul has chosen the body to have its expression in this world, you know? So his, his soul is in charge, especially now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And you know, uh, They've, you know, they had conversations like, you know, not necessarily pulling the plug, but they've taken away all of his medicine, you know, in hospice, they just make him comfortable. And I said, just, he's here until he's not here. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's interesting because the conversations that I've had with them is that a lot of people, when their loved ones are in this state of transition, the pain of them seeing a family member like that is they want to end their life it's a very interesting thing they just want them you know like I love what you said of like this is his path this is not my path and so you know I'm not going to be the one to like okay let's get a pillow and you know bye dad you know and that's and that's what a lot of people from having conversations with hospice and, and the staff there is that they get to a point they can't take it and they just really want them to go away because a lot of it's a hassle. It's expensive. And they're just like, it's so it's a very interesting dynamic of the transition of death. especially when someone is holding on.
0: Oh, I imagine, I imagine I just um, recently had um, to go and say goodbye to a really dear friend, one of my dearest friends, who's only one year older than myself. And, we grew up together from the time we were 14, and she, um, seven months ago, got diagnosed with cancer and was gone seven months later. And, um, you know, and she was really healthy. Was She She would have been the one person in my life I would have said, she's going to live to 120, and she didn't make it to her 60th birthday. So it's, it's like, but she had a, a I mean, about um, two months of, really vigorous, um, pain and a lot of suffering and, and, and a lot of, um, she just really went downhill, you know, and, um, and I, and I, it was amazing cause you know, she was lucid when I saw her and, and, um, the first thing she said to me is, um, Richard's been talking to me and that's my late husband who was also very good friends with her. And that was the first thing when I walked into the room, she said, Richard's been talking to me and and it made me feel really comforted that I knew that he was with her and that he would he'd be supporting her through her transition because for a woman as vibrant and young and beautiful and just just had everything going for her in life, I mean, just her life was so beautiful. It was really, really hard for her to meet her mortality at this age because she knew she had so much more to experience and so much more life to live. So um, that was really just such a uh, wow experience for me and, you know, really painful too, just to see her like that and to see her, um, you know, just, just in so much discomfort as well. But, you know, it took a couple, it took a couple of weeks and, and um, she ended up letting go very peacefully and, her family was present, and and um, and I feel like she's very much at peace now. But it was sure not an easy transition.
1: Yeah, no. Well, I'm sorry for your loss. Thank you. And when you mentioned that Richard was talking to her, um, I got this big smile on my face. Like I just felt yeah. this this overwhelm of joy. And it's interesting because I could look at the other end of the spectrum of someone listening to that, and they would go like, Oh, wow. You know, she's dying. She's the, and, and, you know, it's like, oh, they're pulling her in. But I looked at it. I got this, all these, this overwhelm of really beautiful, positive, loving, light energy of like, Hey, and I visualized, um, Richard holding his hand out and like, Hey, I got you. <laughs> I got you. Oh, so, I'm
0: sure he was telling her what a cool place she's going to. <laughs> yeah. That's
1: it. It's like, I got you. Here's my hand. I, I got you. You know, you you're there till you're there. But when you're here, I'm here to guide you. And, that was just really a beautiful story. That just like that was so nice. That was, you know, I wonder. My dad's mother and father in heaven, of course. because He's ninety years old. No, my dad's my dad's parents are still alive. They're they're one hundred and seventy two <laughs> years old. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting because his sister's there, and his sister, um, Irene, definitely knows she's. She she was a badass woman. She was like a woman on fire, and I believe that um, I got just a lot of inspiration from her. She just was so intense and so loving and so powerful. And she was the one that always called my dad on his on his on his crap. And um, you know, you Joe, you need to you need to you know step up. You need to do this and da da da. And I, I'm I'm visualizing now that. Um, her hand is there and she's not reaching out, but she's like, all right, Joe, you got to get all this taken care of and then I'll, I'll, I'll bring you in. I'll, I'll guide you in um, because that's just what it was. And she was a very strong sister. And it's just interesting how um, all these images are coming along. But I really love the image of Richard handing his hand out to your friend and just like, hey. I'm here and almost like reaching through from one parallel, you know, one dimension to another dimension and you can see part of the hand, but he could see, she could see all of him and just knowing that what a beautiful story. Like just, wow, that just, that just made my day. That was really nice.
0: Oh, good. Yeah. And I feel like we're very alone in that process. I feel like there's, you know, when my father-in-law, um, he had a very long, um, time in the hospital too about two years where he was on a feeding tube and he just you know he he had a big massive stroke and probably shouldn't have survived it but did and and um he could talk but he could not use any of his body so he was full full care couldn't eat anymore but his mind was his mind was really good right up until the end and um he used to say sometimes when I walked in like he'd say why are all those angels around you? And he was, you know, pre, he was always really lucid. But during those times, right. I was like, wow, what are you seeing? You know, I was thinking, oh, man, okay. He goes, yeah, what are all those angels all around you for? And I'm like, well, they're probably here to visit you.
1: <laughs> oh, that's really awesome. That's really Yeah.
0: Awesome. So I, I think that when, when people do go get close to their transition, you're not alone. And you you have angels, you've got guides, all your guides, your angels, all of the support that you need is is there to help you, especially if you have a you have been open to that in your life, you know, and I think that's one of the beautiful things about building a spiritual life is that you know, your belief, whatever you deeply believe, um, is is really so powerful and It's going to bring all of that hope and all of that um, beautiful light that you need when you're, you know, going through that time period. I have no doubt that my husband is going to be right there um, with me when I'm going through my transition. I have no doubt about it. So, and it just gives you a lot of, you know, I think when people think about death and you're alive, I mean, sometimes people go, I don't want to think about my death. I think the value for all of us in thinking about our mortality is that it it helps us remember how temporary this life is it helps us remember that there's just a lot of you know priority and time because we don't know when our time is going to come your dad's been really really blessed um, with 90 short years I mean let's face it you know I don't know what your age Rob is but I'm getting close to 60 and 90 is only 30 years away
1: I maybe know. I'm
0: in the last third if I make it that long. So that's I not know. Really long.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's been interesting. It's been interesting because I've had a few near-death experiences, and I fought really hard to live, like live. Yeah. And um, my daughter had, you know, a near-death experience. She had four strokes at 14 years old, and had brain surgery because of a, a blood vessel burst in her brain and was in a coma. And then I suffered a blood clot where. I tried to not die for about three and a half months and I've been in an armed robbery with a gun in my face and I've had a lot of circumstances wow. where, you know, uh I've come close to dying. And the one thing is, and it's been really interesting, and I know a lot of people are going through this right now, is, you know, you have to make those decisions. And I never really thought, you know, when you go to put your, your dad in hospice and they ask you all these questions of like you have the DNR um order that you have to do um the do not resuscitate and you make all these decisions do you want them to be you know something happens do you want them to do the full court press do you want them to do this do you want them to do a little bit do you want them to do nothing and i just made the decision and it was actually really easy to do um because of his his injuries he never can get out of bed again. I mean, he, he fell down the stairs and was there for a day. And so he'd never recovered from that. And so his body is not strong enough. And so I'm like, you know what? No, you don't need to resuscitate. And, um, I'm okay with that. And it's interesting because the conversation that, that I've had with, uh, hospice and other people, they're like, some people will hold on to the very last minute. They want, you know, resuscitate, resuscitate, resuscitate. And I'm like, I was thinking to myself, it put things in perspective for me. I love my life and I I when I'm in stages and when I'm on podcasts and actually I just live my life as I live every day like I want to be alive and I want to inspire people to do that. And so I made the decision. It was really easy after I did that. I just like made my little living will, and I'm like, "Look, do not resuscitate." You know, if you know if I'm like if there's no other way to keep me alive, you you can try and keep whatever it is, but it's not like I'm not going to be on a, on a ventilator forever. I'm not going to do that. And I'm making real simple. Do not resuscitate. Um, come visit me, cremate me, have a big fricking party, like have the biggest party and just celebrate my life. Don't mourn my loss. Just celebrate my life. And hopefully I made an impact on you. And it was really easy to do. Like it was very interesting how easy it was to just go. Yeah, I want this, 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 this. And I did it. It It's like simple. And, uh, you know it's kind of like don't sweat the small stuff you're going to die take care of it and so that leads into your your incredible book series of don't sweat the small stuff and it's all small stuff and i just love your books and i love the message and let's talk a little bit about that cuz that had such an impact on on the world i mean 25 isn't it 25 million copies sold like that something like 25 million
0: yeah something like that
1: That's amazing. And I I think I bought a lot of those. I've given a lot of those as gifts. I, (laughs) I, I, I just love it. It's just little bits of inspiration. So let's talk about don't sweat the small stuff. Like, what does that mean?
0: Well, I mean, it means not letting the little things in life, which is all the small stuff, the small annoyances and irritations, the minor things, take over your life and your life attention so much that you can't focus on what matters most to you. Um, I mean, a lot of times, like, I like to describe it like the small stuff is, let's say you have a, a big white page, blank page, and you stick a little black dot on it, and it's something really small, like maybe it's something somebody said to you, maybe somebody cut you off in traffic, maybe something happened at work or, you know, at school or whatever... And instead of just letting something happen and, you know, have your feelings about it and then letting it go, we, like, attach to that one thing and our minds attach to it. And then suddenly, all we can think about is that one thing that happened. Well, that becomes the small black dot on the huge white page. And guess what? Life is happening in the white space. All of life is going on and all you can see is that one small black dot that's got your full attention. And people wonder like why they're not engaged in their lives. You know, why are they, you know, because we're not, we're just, we're focused on the things that don't matter. And then we miss all of the life that's happening around us, the stuff that does matter.
1: Yeah. Uh, You know, I've had a lot of conversations with people on, on life transformation radio. And the one thing is, is that people that have faced, near death is you always have this conversation with yourself and it's like when you think you're gonna die and it's a weird really weird feeling to have the one thing that comes to you is a massive amount of regret and you don't regret any material object, all you regret is the times that you get to spend with people, like, oh man, I hope I make i I wanted to spend more time with my daughter, I want to spend more time with my wife, I want to spend more time with my mom, I wanted to spend more, and you know it I think what happens is with the small stuff is that it multiplies, and people get so caught up on all that I love it don 't sweat the, how now how long ago those books get out because I I've known about this. They've been a long, long time. Hasn't it?
0: 25 years. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought came out 25 years ago. Yeah.
1: Okay. Because I've, this is kind of how I've lived my life, which is great. So thank you. I mean, I love your books. I've given away <laughs> a lot as gifts and it's neat because look at the, the impact I've been able to have on the world based on your book. And you know, it's just kind of neat because I don't sweat the small stuff and it's all small stuff and it sounds so simple, but it's so true. Um, It's almost like you don't see the forest through the trees and that one little thing will, it's just really not that important to focus on the small stuff because life is so beautiful and there's so much joy that can be had. And at the end of the day, you know, it doesn't, doesn't really matter the little stuff. You know, like
0: It never does. No. I mean, all you have to do is go through something really big, just like you're talking about, your know, near-death experience or somebody has a tragic loss, the same thing. I mean, you, you, when you're in a tragic loss or you're in a crisis, you're certainly not sweating the small stuff.
1: No, not <laughs> at all. Your whole
0: life takes on a new perspective.
1: Yeah, it's funny. Like You're like, <laughs> it was like I could never take time off for a vacation. I got a blood clot. Um, I did nothing for three and a half months. I'm like, how did I do that? Like I did nothing because I had to. So the universe was like, you need to stop. I get it. Message received. And so now I have a very balanced life and I pay attention to messages from the universe because I don't ever want to be in that position again. So there's that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Life's way too short. Even if you are 90 like your dad, it's still short.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. And you know, one of the things I love about Don't Sweat the Small Stuff is that I live my life, and I think it's so powerful, is that I work very, very hard to live in the very present moment. Like, the very present moment. Oh, yeah. Um, In that, you know, when you're depressed, you're living in your past. And when you're... Anxiety and you're all stressed out, you're living in the future. If you just stay in the very present moment... Like, you know, for example, I I don't know what would be considered a small stuff, but it's Friday, right? And say... I just this is what I do. If there's a problem on a Friday and nothing can happen in regards to any movement of it, like whether it's a client project or whatever, it doesn't exist because I'm not at Monday. So if there's nothing I can do to make an impact on whatever that small thing is, no matter small or big, I'm not gonna let it bother me. I, I just choose and I'll I'll just not let it bother me because it's Friday it's going to blow up on Monday. Well, guess, guess what? I may not make it till Monday, so I'm going to tell you, I'm going to have a really fun weekend. Because what happens is, I think people go, well, I'm going to be in a crappy mood all weekend because on Monday, blah, 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 blah. blah. You know, you get a call on Friday and the boss wants to meet you. And says, you know, um, Christine, uh, I've had some comments about your performance and uh, we need to meet Monday at 8 o'clock, 8 a.m. And you're, you know, most people go negative And so... All weekend long, you're all stressed out, but you may not even make it till Monday. So live in the very present moment. And I think that's just really, really important.
0: Yeah, we call it um, putting your problems on the back burner. I love if, it. If yeah. You, you know, you just stick them on the back burner because, you know, what's simmering on the front burner is the present moment. and. You can always go, if it's a real problem, it's still going to be there. You know, you can just you can bring it to the forefront and to your attention when you need to. But otherwise, you just put it on the back burner and save it for another day. And I, I love that because that, that makes perfect sense. Although I do think that's very poor timing for a manager to tell anyone on a Friday that they're going to have a big conversation on a Monday unless they plan on having them they want them to be preparing for it, and, you know, I, I don't know. I just think that people aren't very considerate that way sometimes, and you want to try and be really considerate in your timing of others so that, you know, maybe you tell them on a Friday so they have the weekend to recover, you know?
1: Right. Yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly. <laughs>
0: Instead of stew about what's going to happen, I mean, that's enough to cause an ulcer.
1: <laughs> exactly, and, you know, it's interesting because, a lot of people get worked up about stuff that hasn't happened yet and living in the future. And so you have that weekend and you're all upset. You don't want to be with anybody. you got the thing going on Monday. And then what happens is you're not present with the people that you want to be around and and love because there's no guarantees. If you put off being with someone over the weekend because you're in a bad mood about Monday and you're stressed about Monday – they may not be here on Monday. And so you want to live every day like it's a gift and every day like it's precious. And And I think people tend to say of like, they'll be around forever and, you know, in my experience of my life and apparently your experience in your life is you just never know. So you want to maximize the time you have with the people that are important to you in your world.
0: Well, yeah. And even beyond that, it's just the present moment. There's just so much magic in it when you learn to practice living life that way and, I mean, I think, you know, we all have to remember that living presently is super easy to talk about and very, very challenging to do. And it's not, um, it's not a one-time decision that you make. It's not a one-time choice. It's a moment-to-moment-to-moment-to-moment um, focus that you have with your attention being in the moment. And that is just really simply like, you know, I don't think that depression exists in the past or the future necessarily. Depression is different. But I think that when we are regretting our past, um, it's because we're thinking about all the things that maybe aren't anymore or we're wishing we could go back in our life and be that person that we were or be with that person that we were with. And then our future thinking is all about a future dream that doesn't exist, and so the present moment is really the place to land. And we do create our future from our present moment. I mean, we—it's totally possible to be present and still be acting, um, you know, taking action on life in the present moment. So, it's—it's it's, yeah, and it's also where all the flow and magic happens. I mean, I think that when you're really present, you're calling in. It's like it's like the universe's great call, saying oh, okay, everything can happen right now, you know? And, but it, it really does take so much more focus and attention than, um, than what we, you know, we can talk about it all we want, but then we need to practice it all the time in order to really get there.
1: I love it. I love it. Well, I want to dive into this. So understand how our circumstances don't make or break us.
0: Yeah, well, it's pretty clear. You know, we get these circumstances in life and a lot of times we don't have any choice over the circumstances that um, we find ourselves in. What we do have a choice over is how we step forward amidst those circumstances. And what I love about um, the choice that you have is that if you know and you know this, then you can choose to really step in empowered by choosing to not be a victim of those circumstances. And victimhood means that you live at the affect of those circumstances. And you don't. You don't have to. You don't, again, I want to reiterate, a lot of times we don't have a choice in the circumstances we find ourselves. And there are many, many, many deeply challenging circumstances. But what we do have a choice in is how we move forward amidst those circumstances. And so those circumstances actually they you they reveal who you are because how you show up, how you act, the way you proceed forward really reveals where you're at in your life and and what you think and what you believe and and it's really all about how you choose. And I think that is um, it's so empowering to realize that, even amidst difficult and challenging circumstances, that we do have the power of choice. And, I mean, to me, that's always meant everything to me, to know that um, I can choose how I want to move forward, how I want to step in. Um, I don't have to just sit and be a sitting duck or feel total self-pity and, you know, be mired in it.
1: Yeah, I love what you said about how to choose to be better over bitter. Yep. when change happens in your life, so that sounds it's easier said than done. So, what are some ways that you can be better as opposed to being bitter
0: over well, change? Well, I think in that life? goes to you know goes to the topic of your your whole radio show. It it really goes toward knowing that change brings with it transformation and. I think you know it we're going to change either way it can change positively or it can sh- change negatively <laughs> and yeah, absolutely. you know and I mean that's the truth is it's not always a positive change but it really your the attitude that you bring to that the way you embrace change um the way you go through your change you know look it's it's not easy to let go of who you were if you're going through an identity crisis It's not easy to go through transformation. Nobody ever says it's easy. But it is completely worthwhile. And I think what I like to tell people is that it's super important to feel what you feel. It's super important not to even hide behind positivity because we oftentimes hide our feelings by... um, over positivity. I call it over positivity because it's not really real. Like we just vacillate toward positivity because that's what we're comfortable with. Right. But what I want to say is it's more important that you stick with what's authentic and real for you in the moment. And if an emotion is present and it's sad, go ahead and let yourself feel that sadness because if you don't, the sadness doesn't really go away. All you're doing is putting a band-aid on it or masking it for another day. Or worse it does turn into depression. Right. You know, unexpressed emotion goes inward and it depresses. And wh- whereas if you just allow yourself to feel, allow yourself to go into your feelings. And and I want to just also say to the men that listen to this, that men don't have very good training this way. And it's really sad because women have a lot better training. Like women are taught, oh yeah, you know, women are more emotional. It's okay to cry. You know, men are not taught that that's okay. And it's really, really important that men allow themselves the emotional freedom sometimes to to go into their sadness and their sorrow because otherwise it just gets locked inside the body and it's it's painful and it's armored and it keeps us from experiencing true and really real joy.
1: Yeah. You know, I think of the, the line... Real men don't eat quiche. You've heard that a long time ago. And I, I think it could be real men can cry. Absolutely. Real, real men, real can, men cry. can cry. Absolutely, 100%.
0: Yeah. And I mean, even before this show, you know, I, I know you're like, well, I don't want to talk about that. You know, it's not positive. <laughs> And I'm like, you know what? It's okay because there's a lot of people that are listening that aren't feeling really positive right now. Right. There are right. a lot of people that are in deep sadness. We are living in a world of grief right now from everything that everyone's been through. And, you know, whether you're grieving the loss of a loved one or you're grieving the loss of anything, you know, it's totally grief is not the enemy. I mean, grief comes at a time to help you. It's, it's mourning is a natural process. And you know, I don't even like it when somebody says don't mourn my death because mourning means it's a natural process of healing and we do mourn the people that we love and it's perfectly okay to give ourselves those moments, those times of sadness because life isn't just one set of emotions. Life isn't all joy. Being alive means we get to experience all of it. And it also includes that we're going to experience some suffering, some pain, some agony sometimes, and then we get to experience tremendous joy. But if you deny yourself one, you may not have the gift of the other. And there are gifts in both. And especially the gift of suffering is the gift of joy. And I I just love Cahil Gabran's quote so much um, when he says, Your greatest um, joy is your suffering unmasked. And that really means, you know, take off that mask, go through that suffering, um, feel those feelings, feel that sorrow, and you are carving out so much space for joy in your heart.
1: Well, my joy today is to have you as a guest on Life Transformation Radio. Christine, what a beautiful soul you are. Thank you, universe, for bringing you into my world. And I'm just, it was so perfect because I just got off the FaceTime with my dad and I'm like, (laughs) I don't want to talk about this and blah, 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 blah. And then you're like, (laughs) well, we should. And then I'm like, you know what? I, Yeah, I owe it to the listeners and I owe it to me and I owe it to the universe. And it's just amazing how these little messages always are coming in. It's just important. You know, I two things. Don't sweat the small stuff and it's all small stuff. And when the universe sends you a message as a gift, listen, because the universe will continue to send you messages, and a lot of times, they become a little more intense as time passes. That's what I can say.
0: All right. That was a good thing to say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if you want to learn more about Christine and, and find out about her books and all of the, the wonderful things that Christine does, just go to christinecarlson.com. Christine, thank you so much for being here, a guest.
0: Thanks, Rob.
1: What a joy it was, and thank you (laughs) so much for your support and the taking time out of your busy and precious day.
0: Oh, you're welcome. Thanks, Rob. It was great talking to you, and best of luck with your father. I sense that he is probably going to pass pretty soon, so.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. But it's good. It's good, and it's all perfect. I love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you for allowing me, along with my very, very special guest, Christine Carlson, to touch your heart move your soul, and inspire you to live a life of transformation. I'm Rob Actis. Until next time.
0: This is Life Transformation Radio. Download complete.